want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports. This is the NRL show episode 23 and as always I'm joined by uh, some of the best panelists in the business uh, tonight we've got Tasha hey Tash and then we've also got our special guest Alicia guys the question I've got from you for you straight off the top is all things expansion after some exciting news up there in Queensland uh, Tash I want to throw it straight to you what's your thoughts on the announcement of the new 17th team yeah Dan look I'm always on the positive side of things. I think uh, we definitely need another team up there in Queensland just to, um, you know, to dilute uh, and give it a bit more chance to the up and coming sort of um, sort of teams. I think they've got Wayne Bennett. They're always going to get Wayne Bennett, whoever the team was. But the Dolphins, I think um, they've got a lot of history. They've got a lot of um, finance behind them. Um, I think it's just all good things with the expansion. And Leisha, what about yourself? Because um, obviously, yeah, very exciting news for the 17th team coming in. And obviously, there'll, there'll be a bit of a branding exercise exactly where they position themselves there up north. But um, yeah, what's your thoughts on the on the uh, yeah 17th team coming into the competition? Yeah, look, I definitely think a 17th team was, was needed and particularly in Queensland um, and in Brisbane. I really like the Dolphins name and how they have not put a geographical location you know, as a first name, we don't know whether that will be a permanent thing forever or whether they might sell it off to a sponsor or we'll have to just wait and see. But um, obviously we know that the team's probably going to be based in Redcliffe, um, but then that just opens it up to basically from, from Redcliffe all the way up to North Queensland. They can really go north and and try and uh, pull some players. We know that, you know, the Queensland Cup is very strong and there's a lot of those guys playing in that competition that are former NRL players. Um, but, yeah, there is a bit of a question mark around possibly diluting the, the whole competition. But for me, it really annoys me when I see good, good young players who have come through the system and then they're off to Super League at age 24. I think that that's where this Dolphin side can pick them up and, you know, keep them in the NRL. That's That's what I'm quite positive about because I think that happened in the Titans and then we really saw a couple of guys kick on um, in 20, 2008, sorry, when they came in. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I have similar thoughts. I think, you know, initially I had the same sort of concerns. It's like, are we going to see a diluted competition and, you know, some of the some of the impacts it's going to have on the, on the current NRL clubs. But, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, this is something that, you know, the, this, this particular franchise, I think it's setting itself up in the right way. Um, to kind of, uh, you know, be successful. And one of the things that I think about is, you know, what we've got to remember with the COVID situation is a lot of that reserve grade pathway level football hasn't been happening. So I I think there are, uh, there's quite a few hidden gems in those competitions that yes, haven't played a lot of football, um, but we've just got to remember they are there and uh, hopefully that's that's going to be enough to um, support this new team. I think the positive on that though, Dan, is that they've got 2022, you know, fingers crossed, everything goes ahead next year. Um, hopefully those guys can get back playing reserve grade and it sort of sets them up for that 2000, uh, 2023 season when they do officially come on board. 
Yeah, I, I concur wholeheartedly just with uh, what Alicia's saying. I think, you know, fingers crossed we will have a, a smooth running year next year and um, that's what these young players have been missing. And now to have another um, NRL club that they can aspire to go to, you're not going to get these talented players that didn't quite get there or, or you know, enough time to establish themselves. Um, and then, like Leisha said, you know, they're 23, 24, and they're going off to Super League. I think hopefully that this is uh, that this will stop that. It'll plug those holes, and uh, these these kids will get a chance. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our first segment tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players... Champion Club. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, we're going up north uh, as we continue to, you know, review uh, at the NRL competition going through all 16 clubs uh, based on their 2021 season. If you didn't check out our last episode on the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, please go back and listen to that episode. Uh, but this week, Tasha, we're going up north to the North Queensland Cowboys and recapping their season. Um, only seven wins uh, throughout the season, but. I guess you know it was it was an interesting season because uh, you know obviously they they struggled for periods and they had a little bit of run of run of form and then struggled again yeah a bit of a patchy performance from the Cowboys. Oh, for sure. Like if you go to their first half of the season, they took a little while to get to to get uh, their rhythm on, but uh, halfway through the year they were sitting seventh on the ladder, Dan. And for all. All we knew, knew then, it, it was very, very possible and that they looked likely to be making, you know, the finals, the top eight. And then, what, they won one, one game out of their last 12. So it's like there was this this team in the first half and then it was just downhill and a completely different team in the second half. Yeah, Alicia, talk to us a little bit about North Queensland because that, that kind of... Now, great, great sort of points that Tasha raised. Just, uh, I guess, tale of multiple stories in in two thousand and twenty one, and hard to get a bit of a read on this team. Yeah, I thought. I mean, they started zero and four, um, which obviously puts them back. We saw what happened with Manly; they were able to recover, but in this case, North Queensland didn't. And Michael Morgan retired in April. It was only a couple of rounds in, which is obviously your chief chief playmaker. So I think from there they were sort of doomed and. It never really went to plan. I think they strung about five or six wins together in the next eight weeks, and we thought, oh, they're back here. Jake Clifford um, was partnering uh, Scotty Drinkwater, and um, it seemed to be all going to plan. And then obviously Jake Clifford went to Newcastle mid-season and Tom Deedon came in. They never won another game after that until the second last round. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a like, – when I first covered the Cowboys in round one against Penrith, we heard all preseason that the Cowboys were going to play this up-tempo style of game and, you know, they were going to have that roaming ball-playing lock like other teams do where they had the speed around the ruck. Um, Bob Payton spoke about that quite often, just the need to really play up-tempo, and we just never saw it. And I think that was largely probably just down to the forward pack not getting the roll on that they, you know, once did or we once knew that they could. And um, I thought the back suffered. Um, but, yeah, I think it all sort of went wrong. Once Michael Morgan retired, um, Valentine Holmes had a couple of injuries as well. Jason Tomalo, I'm sure we'll get into him, but, you know, the minutes um, I think played a bit of a part. So, yeah, there was just a range of different things that went wrong for Paul Payton's side. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm coming in there as you were speaking, Alicia. I was nodding away, and you're right. It's as soon as they lost Michael Morgan, um, anything that could go wrong would go wrong. They then, you know, had Jake Clifford, and whoop, there he goes off to the Knights. Um, and then you back that up with injuries to your two, you know, star signings in Val Holmes and uh, Jason Tamalolo, and. Wow, you know, it's hard to pick yourself up when all that sort of stuff happens. And, yeah, the Cowboys, they didn't pick themselves up. Yeah, and one of the things I guess we'll jump straight into is their their, their star forward in Jason Tamalolo. I think, you know, I, I guess Todd definitely has a challenge on his hands in terms of perfecting how to use him as a player. Um, I think there's a few things, you know, a, a, lot, of the, a lot of the discussion um, – is around, you know, minutes and how he's played. But, Alicia, I, I want to talk a little bit about the changing nature of the game because it does make it very, very difficult when you've got a, jo- a guy like Jason Tamalolo because, you know, if you look at the game where it was a few seasons ago, he was in a league of his own almost. I mean, if you were to make a football player, he would be in the image of Jason Tamalolo. Then the game sped up, in, you know, in such a rapid way at the start of the season and suddenly... You know, you, you look at some of the alternatives that are playing in that lock position a little bit smaller. I mean, yeah, I, I guess talk to us a little bit about Jason Tamalolo and I guess the impact of, yeah, I, I guess how the, how the game's changed this year, this year. Well, we've seen a guy like Junior Paulo adjust pretty well and sort of made it suit his own game. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether the Jason Tamalolo uh, experiment or, or way that he's sort of adjusted, however way that is, with the Cowboys, again, talking they want to play that up-tempo style that suited him. It's interesting, I think it was after that round one game against Penrith where, um, you know, his stats were still all right in that t- short time he played, but then um, Todd Payton sort of called him out for a couple of little effort areas, which, um, you know, I guess coaches see that fans probably don't see and, and us as well as, as commentators or as, as journalists. So, um, yeah, I... It's it's just interesting how they want to sort of preserve his time in the game, um, and we've spoken about this in the past. You know, he he's been a battering ram for the last five six years um, in the game. Is it now a case of you know we we want to make sure he gets through this ten year contract or whatever he's on because the rules are increased. Uh, the rules have increased the speed, and now it's a matter of hey, we got to get him through and. I think he's the only bloke that's broken his hands twice in the season, by the way, because that obviously didn't help him at all. He just didn't really seem to have the same momentum that we're used to, except you look at his stats and they're still pretty good for a forward. You know, you take it over, you know, 150 metre average or whatever he had, but when you were once still on over 200, I guess we have pretty high expectations too. Yeah, look, I think it's the change in the game, that the, the up-tempo of the game or... You know, for one, for a little while there, I was thinking, oh, they don't want to overcook him. They want to get their full decade, you know, of playing out of him, and and that just wasn't seem that didn't seem to be working. And then you had the, you know, broken hand, and then you go, wow, that's that's unusual. Don't hear about that. Oh no, there's a second broken hand, and you're going, well, and I think there was rumor about a third broken hand. So I don't know what was going on behind the scenes there, but it certainly whatever they were doing, it just was right to bring out the best in Jason's game. Yeah, and uh, I guess all eyes will be on next season for him because he is a great player. 
uh, and, you know, things are not fitting at the moment. There's a few things they need to work out. But, you know, one of the things the Cowboys have is they have plenty of time to figure that out over the off-season. So that will certainly be um, something to watch. And, um, yeah, we certainly expect him to be back to his uh, rampaging best. Um, all right, well, let's move through now to the spine. And, Alicia, you know, uh, rugby league, you know, it can be such a complicated game sometimes. But in a lot of ways, it's still a very simple one. The, the spine is so important. You're one, you're six, you're seven, and you're nine. And, and not only is it important that you have high-quality players in there, but it, it's important that you sort of establish that and have them playing uh, a lot of football together so they can build combinations. I guess the Cowboys still find themselves in a bit of a transition phase as, ta- as Todd continues to try and find the, the, the right fit. And obviously, you know, he's got some signings coming in there as well. Yeah, not like not only under Todd, but you think about it, they haven't made the final since Jonathan Thurston and uh, what was that, 2018, he retired. Um, you know, it, do we underestimate how hard it is to replace a champion guy like that? And as I said, we mentioned Michael Morgan, like he was awesome in that 2017 year when Thurston was missing, but he, he just hadn't, he just couldn't recapture that sort of form um, before he re- his retirement. So um, yeah, they're two pretty big blows in the last couple of years that, that any spine is going to struggle to to fill. But I just felt like, um, you know, that Valentine Holmes fullback, he had a preseason um, under his belt to sort of get back into it after coming back um, from the NFL. Um, you know, is he a winger more than a fullback? That's the debate that's been going on for a while. I don't think he sort of um, – he didn't stand out, obviously, at fullback, Scott Drinkwater. He's a fullback turned five eighth. Um, I thought he was quite good in setting up a few tries with with the boot, but um, you know he missed a lot of tackles in the front line. I think he led the competition for missed tackles. So yeah, I just don't think that their spine has fully recovered um, from Thurston and and now Michael Morgan, and um, it's a bit of a changing of the guard um, as mentioned moving into the future. They've definitely got to nail nail a, a decent spine. I forgot to mention too, obviously, Jake Clifford moving on as well. That's another big blow. So, um, yeah, but if anything, it's fresh, you know, leading into next year. Todd Payton's got fresh players available and, and we'll talk about the hammer, I'm sure, but I think he's uh, putting his hand up for that fullback spot. Yeah, I totally agree. And, Dan, I'm going to go on your mantra here. You always say, you know, important positions in the game, you've got to give them the team. You can't just, they have a bad game, you know, drop them down and then bring them back. They lose that sort of confidence. So, you know, going forward for season 2022, um, I think Chad Townsend from the Warriors is, is going to make a big difference and he's got to be given the team. Um, he's got to say, you are our halfback and um, we're sticking by you and this is this is the game we're, we're building around you. So Leish mentioned um, Hamiso at the hammer. I want him there at fullback. I, I, I'd put Valentine Holmes in, at, uh, in the centres, stick with hammer at, at um, fullback. I'd work on Scotty Drinkwater's, I think he's got a great kicking game and they can score from that. But you're right, Leish, he's, I, I think... The off-season, Scott Drinkwater will be working on um, his defence. Like, you can't lead the competition for missed tackles and not spend your off-season and pre-season working on your defence. So I've got the uh, hammer at one. I've got Scotty Drinkwater at six, Chad Towns at seven, and, of course, Reese Robson uh, finishing the spine up at number nine. Yeah, and I think, you know, just to extend on that, I think what's also important is that, 
you know, as much as you want to use the off-season to figure out your spine, you also, in an ideal world, you kind of want to make an early decision on that to give that new spine the full pre-season to play together. And and that's, that's I think, one of the, the mistakes that it made. And, and sometimes it ha- it's hard, you know. It, it is very, very difficult to understand that. But, you know, for example, with Valentine Holmes, if you give him a full off-season at fullback and he, he doesn't end up being your long-term fullback, then you've just lost, you know, all of those months, all of that training, all of that, those combinations and, and time spent where you could be giving that to to your uh, to your actual fullback who who may be uh, Hamaso. Um, so for me, you know, my advice to Todd would be: I know it's difficult, but really got to lock in that spine very early on in camp. Yeah, well, Dan, we're talking about um, we're we're agreeing here about you know locking it in. Um, there was a, a little stat I found that. Um, only four players were named in the same position in round one and round 25, only four. So there's a lot of shuffling around. And and so, you know, that stability, name your team and, and hopefully keep them, you know, with that through injury and whatnot. But, yeah, so important. I wanted to get your thoughts, Tash, on Tommy Dearden because we're talking about him a bit off air, but just the maturity um, doesn't seem to be there. Um from him just yet, like he's still a young kid, but what's your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Look, like they, they were having troubles in the halves and um, they brought Tommy in uh, from the Broncos. I think he's just too young, Leash. I just think he didn't have the maturity and the head to, to play, you know, in those important positions um, in the in the halves and it, he just couldn't do the job. But that's not saying he won't in the future to be able to. I just think it was too much too soon for him to try and fill those sort of shoes. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just on Tom, I, I think, you know, you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt and send just, you know, based on his pedigree and a lot of the things we think about him as a junior, I, I think you've still got to have that mentality that he could go on and become a star, but he has been tortured so far in his NRL career, just in terms of, you know, a lot of those Brisbane highly talented players have come through and obviously have had a few scars from that experience. And then, you know, I, I'm not a massive fan of the mid-season, um, the mid-season, you know, signings and sort of coming in. I think, I think that was a big ask for Tom. So for me, you know, what what I would like to see Alicia is, you know, and, and I've said this in in a, in a few episodes when speaking about the Cowboys is, I just want to see Tom get back to winning football games. And if that has to happen at a lower level, I, I think that's exactly what Tom needs. He needs to go back, get his confidence, and win football games over a long period of time, and really really force his way into to the team. You know, make Todd make a decision to say, look, I'm playing at a high level. I need to be playing NRL week in, week out. And, you know, for me, I just see a player that just, you know, is lacking uh, a little bit of confidence right now. In saying that, though, I think with Chad Townsend coming on board next year, he's the experienced guy that the team will go to. So if I had to pick a, a spine tomorrow that will go into the preseason, know that you're, you're likely to be the the round one, I would completely mix it up, put drink water back at fullback, um, have Tommy Dearden and Chad Townsend in the halves, um, which will take a bit of pressure off Dearden, um, put the hammer and Val Holmes in the centres because if anything, the Cowboys outside backs, you know, do lack a little bit of strike power and those two guys, we saw hammer in origin, how good he was and I thought Val's played a couple of games on the right centre edge, so he, he could easily adapt to that as well if he wants to come a bit closer to the ball. But yeah, I'd do that. Um, you'd have either Robson or, or Quadra. I think Robson's got the upper hand up there. He's been playing pretty well. Just, I think, yeah, get Scott Drinkwater back to where he's really good at. 
thinking less and playing a bit off the cuff. Um, but, yeah, I don't think that's how Tom will go, but that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I tell you what, that uh, that actually sounds really good. And I, and I like the idea of, you know, not not weakening a strength of your team, you know what I mean, to patch another issue. And, and to your point, imagine that. Imagine Hammer and Val Holmes out there in the centres. That would get Cowboys fans excited. And, and Scott, you know, Scott at fullback, he's a... He is a talented footballer. It's just a matter of um, obviously cementing his position. And look, I, I've got to throw out there that yeah, I've got a little bit of a personal bias. I'm, I'm friends with uh, Chad Townsend, so he'd be the first player picked for me. And I'm very excited about what he's going to bring to that Townsville franchise. All right, guys. Well, let's try and have a bit of a think ahead and try and do a little bit of predictions. Our way too early predictions for 2022. Tash, going to start with you. Um, yeah, difficult season there for Todd Payton's men, but um, yeah, what are you predicting for next season? Yeah, I think they're still going to need to do a fair bit of building. I can't put them, uh, you know, in September in the in the, in top eight. Um, yeah, they finished second last, um, you know, this year. But um, I don't see them moving too much further up the ladder. I'm, I'm still getting them at about eleventh. Yeah, look, you know, Chad, I know you're you're an avid listener of Mojo Sports here, and if you are listening, um, if you just want to distract yourself for a little bit of a second, no, look, I, I, I'm with you, Tasha. Um, yeah, Chad, I, I do apologise again. I, I don't see this team making the finals, but that's not to say they don't have the talent. I mean, any team with Tamalolo in it, we've spoken about the backs, we've spoken about the halves, the talent is there. I just think, um, you know, this is a really important preseason. We want stability um, and I think the first month of football is going to be really, really important for the Cowboys. So, look, I'm prepared to have egg on my face, but at the moment, yeah, I wouldn't be confident that this is a team that's going to be playing finals football next year. Alicia, what about yourself? I think one thing they've got to do is get that home ground advantage back because since, you know, dairy farmers used to be a bit of a fortress. You didn't want to go up there in June even because it was still 30 degrees and, you know, you weren't used to the the heat. So they need to get that back fast. I think if they do that, and they're very tough to beat up there with no injuries, then, you know, you only have to win half your games in the season and you're basically in the eight. So um, if they stay fit, I think they've got the strike. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the worst of it's over for them. I honestly do. I think that they're on a bit of an upward climb. They just, they'll just stay a bit under the radar. Um, I can still see them probably just missing the eight, like in that ninth, tenth spot. But I think they're going to definitely improve on on what we saw this year. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our next segment tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and this week on the match, well, we have two unbelievable players and two players that we've been very fortunate to be watching for almost well, well over a decade, decade now, and that's our New Zealand internationals, uh, Jesse Bromwich from the Melbourne Storm, coming up against Jared Weir at Hargraves. Tasha, I'm going to throw it straight to you. Let's talk a little bit about Jesse because, you know, when, when you think about the Melbourne Storm, you think about Slater, you think about Smith, you think about Cooper Cronk and all the amazing players that they have, but... You know, Jesse's the captain down there, and, you know, he's an international player. He's played a lot of football at a very high level. Uh, you know, he, he, somewhat underrated, I guess, when it comes to uh, when it comes to his performances. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually I love him. I think he's great. I think I can't believe he's, he's 32 years of age, um, but that's how long, you know, he's he's been around. He's He has um, the captaincy, so he's obviously got a very little head about him. Um, There's so many stars that you can talk about, like you said, Dan, with the Melbourne Storm. But I really love Jesse um, Bromwich, and I I love him for his offloads. 
I'm such an offload fan. I know it's such a good thing to have a forward that that's, you know, quick play the ball. But if you had to choose between the two, Jesse takes four of them with him. And that's how he destroys the defensive pattern. Um, it's those offloads. I, I'm a big offload fan and he's he's probably the best in the game. And Alicia, I just want to talk a little bit about the leadership because, you know, I, again, the amount of stories that have been written about, you know, obviously Cameron Smith's retirement and the leadership void that that that, that does exist down there in Melbourne. But, yeah, I, I, I guess it is pretty important, you know, what Jesse brings to this franchise because, you know, he's obviously a very experienced player. You know, they, they need a, a strong leader down there and that's certainly something that Jesse provides. Yeah, I think in probably it's flown a little bit under the radar, but especially with the Polynesian boys, you know, that they're probably moving to Melbourne away from their family and, um, he, he he did the same when he was a lot younger and um, obviously he, he's got his brother there now. But, um, yeah, I think he's very underestimated. It's very underestimated how, um, I guess, underrated he is both on and off the field, his leadership qualities. And, um, you know, I've got to be honest, when I look at a Melbourne team sheet, I just, you know, you brush straight past the Jesse Bromwich because you just know he sort of does his job every, every week and, yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing too flash about his game. He's got a bit of a sidestep in him. But, um, yeah, he's he's obviously been a stalwart for them for almost 10 years now. It just doesn't feel like he's been around that long, but he actually, you know, he really has. Yeah, Leisha, I was going to say the same thing. Like um, you can look at the Melbourne roster and, and it's so easy to brush past him, but he's actually been, you're right, more than 10, 12, 12 seasons he's played the Storm. Um, you know, he's got so many test maths matches, um, over 30 test matches for New Zealand. They've obviously got faith in his stability and um, his leadership qualities because they've made him captain. So, um, yeah, when I saw that stat, wow, you know, he's been there for 12 seasons and it's just amazing. Like, I feel old now. Like, yeah, that's true. Exactly right. And I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting about Jesse is he doesn't get an easy ride down there in Melbourne. I think, you know, we've heard about the torturous pre-seasons and, you know, obviously all of the expectations. But to Tasha's point earlier on, you know, the the, the Melbourne Storm don't play that old-school forward play, you know. As a forward, there are extreme expectations within that system, Alicia. I mean, you've got to have a fast play of the ball, you know, uh, and, and, I mean, we, we'll, we'll touch on the defensive side in a, in, in a second, but we spoke about the offloads. You've got to have a little bit of football in you. I, I guess... You know, playing under Craig Bellamy, it, it has its own sort of level of expectations there. And again, it's something that Jesse's been able to do. And you know, he doesn't get an easy ride just because he's cap- just because he's captain or a veteran player. No, definitely not. And um, I think one of his biggest strengths has been his fitness over the years. Like, um, you know, I don't think I've ever sort of seen him blown out in terms of his weight, or he's always been a sort of lean fella. Um, he's been very, I guess, disciplined in that area, and. Um, yeah, he's just he's he's really hard to as I said before, you just you look I don't you don't think much of him when he's on the field because he just goes about his business. A bit like Christian Welsh just gets the job done and but he's been their leader, he's been their their mainstay in that forward pack um for over a decade and um yeah, gee, he's thirty two. I'm still a bit in shock that he's actually that old now. Like I didn't didn't actually realise. Yeah, and look, speaking of thirty two, let's move over to his competitor tonight and a player who, well, he's gone toe to toe with Jesse for uh, you know the, the same period of time. And that's Jared Weir Hargraves. Tash, going to start with you because as a Newcastle Knights supporter, you know we, we're sort of we're getting to a point now where we're starting to sort out our forward pack, but. 
There was a lot of years where I looked down the highway. I, I looked at the Sydney Roosters there at Jerry Weir Hargraves, and I was just so envious. I'm like, if we could just have a player like that come down to our franchise, because you know, one, one of the things we want to call out straight away is, is Jared. You know, he, he's aggressive. He brings that firebrand play, and um, you know, there's just something something quite special about his impact on a football field uh, when it comes to you know, him as a forward in the NRL. Oh, absolutely! Look. Um, I'm sure his his teammates, especially in the middle, his forwards, um, you know, he must give them a lot of confidence because he's just got a fearless approach and he brings a lot of steel um, to his pack. So, you know, he's he's got that in his game. Again, he's 32. He's been around for a while. He's, um, you know, what's his uh, 148 average metres? I mean, that's quite outstanding as well. So... Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about that aggression. It's probably one of his best assets, but then it's a fine line and he's um, paid the price fronting up the judiciary a few times. So, yeah, there's there's finding that balance. Yeah, Alicia, it it is difficult, isn't it? And I think, you know, if if there was ever going to be a coach that could best manage a player like Jared, it would be Trent Robinson uh, because Tasha's right, you know, you, you, you spell it out, you want players like Victor Radley, like Jared Weir Hargraves, who just go out there and they, they sort of, they don't even necessarily think they more react, you know, and they're just so aggressive and they just create that that, that level of momentum and enthusiasm and, and physicality in the front row there for the Roosters. But, you know, again, it, it really is difficult to kind of pull back there. But, um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about Jared as a player because, um, yeah, has spent a little bit of time on the sidelines. I'll tell you what, I'm a bit like you when I... Dan, as a, as a Knights fan, especially when he knocked out Danny Badiris that finals game. We'll never forget that, um, the way that Danny retired. But um, can I just say, like, talking to Jared over the years, the nicest bloke off the field, you know, like you just go, oh, wow. And then he gets out there and he's, you know, every year he's up there with the most penalties given away and, you know, always pushing the line with, with some of his discipline. But one thing about Trent Robinson is he lets his players – express themselves like he wants them to and you always defend them but when he needs to pull a player in line and I'm sure you know I think it will come out whenever Jared retires but I think you know he goes about it privately with Jared and I think that's where um you know he still says you could toe the line like we'll, we'll still back you and it's funny because Jared most of the time now represents himself at the judiciary he actually you know like walks in himself he doesn't need the lawyer he knows how to answer questions he knows what's coming because he's been there so many times um but he does it in a in a non-arrogant way too it's a very gentleman-like way and he, he's just he just knows knows how it all rolls now so um yeah I used to love to hate him but now I, I really enjoy watching him as a player and just the aggression side to him like who wouldn't want to play with a guy like that, you know, to the enforcer and knowing that you've got, um, I guess, the support of him as a teammate and, and he, you know he's always going to be up for big games, which is something that I think he didn't develop until later on in his career. Like when he come across from Manly, um, he was obviously really aggressive and raw, but I think he's matured in that aspect um, and he backed it up. Now, I think the one year he got caught out, was it by Tamalolo against the Cowboys or was completely messed with his with his mind. I think it was in the final series, um, 2015 possibly. I can't remember. Something around then. Um, and since then, he's just known even to just keep a lid on it, big games. And he's really come out the other side. I've been quite impressed with his, his development. Yeah, look, I agree. He was, JWH was the player that I love to hate. 
um, because he's he's just so aggressive and it seemed too far and he's had so many times at the judiciary leash. I love the point that he represents himself now because <laughs> he, yeah, he actually does. He knows the routine and you're right, he's not arrogant about it at all. Like he does, he's very respectful, answers the questions and, yeah, he's had a lot of experience there. But um, he has matured but he gave away the most penalties of anybody in the in the NRL this year, so there's still a fair bit to rein in um, with Jared, yeah, most and definitely. It, and it sounds like he's got his uh, yeah life after football sorted. He'll uh, you know go down that uh, go down that law field. He, he's certainly well versed in it. And uh, yeah, if you need any representation, uh, speak to Jared in the next few years. I'm sure he'll get himself sorted there. But no, and look, you know, just to round off on Jared, I just think that you know sometimes you know a, a player with his CV. You know, you can just sort of get get the credit, you know, because you sort of build up that brand reputation. But to Tasha's point earlier, you know, statistically, he's still, you know, at the very, very top in terms of metres gained. Um, you know, he's just his he's hit-ups and his production. You know, he's a hard worker. Um, he doesn't shirk away from, you know, getting in there and, and, and getting through the, the tough work. So, no, still performing at an elite level. All right, guys, as always, uh, with the match, can't, cannot sit on the fence. We've got to pick a player here. Very, very difficult. We've got a player's same age. You know, obviously, they've, they've, they've both got um, an incredible uh, test history. I'm going to go with you, Tasha. Who are you picking here, um, Jesse or Jared? Yeah, look, when it comes down to it, as you said, uh, Jared's got, you know, uh, better average metres gained. He's um, got a couple more average hit-ups per game than Jesse, but... I'm going to go with, um, yeah, Jesse Bromwich because his offloads are so important in the modern game to break down the defence and you know what you're going to get from him week after week. So he's he's got, on average, more than double uh, Jared's offloads. And like I said before, I'm an offloader fan, so I'm going with uh, Jesse. Yeah, look, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit different. I'm going to go with Jared only because... He's a unique player. Uh, there aren't too many Jared Weir Hargraves in the game, and I just think that, uh, yeah, he brings something that's a little bit different. And there's just something about sitting in the locker, locker room, you know, being a little bit nervous as you head into a big game and looking across, and especially when you're a little playmaker. You know, I think Jared, he does a really good job of physically looking after a lot of his young and, and uh, you know, sort of smaller halfbacks out there. So I think that intimidation factor, um, I'm sort of going to go with Jared there. Alicia, what about yourself? Very difficult one to pick. Yeah, I'm a little bit on the fence here, but uh, we'll go full circle. If I had to, like, you know, Redcliffe, uh, sorry, not Redcliffe, shouldn't call them Redcliffe, the Dolphins, um, if I'm picking a, a front rower, of, and it's out of those two, geez, um, I'd probably go for that aggression side with Jared. However, I'd be worried how many games he actually gets through the year. <laughs> um, no, but I think his metres are still up and – off-field from all we know, he's an awesome leader, like to those young guys, you know, and I think, not saying obviously Jesse isn't, but I think you get the metres with it, you get um, a little bit more, I guess, than what, what Jesse might. I'm just I'm more leaning towards the whole, you know, we see guys leave Melbourne and probably not kick on as much as or leave the Roosters not kick on as much as um, other guys. So I, I think Jared will kick on as opposed to Jesse. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our final segment tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. 
Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we continue to build our way too early Australian Kangaroos team for next year's World Cup. Uh, and this week, we're going to talk about our starting front rowers. I think we're all picking similar players, but definitely um, interested in hearing your reasons why. Um, Tash, going to start with you. Who are your starting front rowers uh, for the Kangaroos next season? I can't go past Daniel Safidi. Um, I think he was a powerhouse in the origin. Um He's been the most consistent prop in the game, yet he still somehow, we talk about it flying under the radar, but he's definitely my first pick for, for one of the props. He's expressed his um, his interest to play for Australia and, and not his native Fiji. So, yep, he's got my um, number one prop position. Um, and my second one, if you're like eight and ten, uh, Christian Welsh. I think... Um, Look, I think he's just a, a great forward. He's um, he's come ahead in leaps and bounds. He, he he was selected in the 2020 merit side. I think he's improved since then. Um, and let's face it, I love an offload and I love his sneaky little offload. Yeah, nice, nice. I, I, look, I don't think you're going to get too much fight back from me and Alicia as nice fans with uh, Daniel Sofie. But Alicia, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yeah your, your selections here. Who do you think will be the starters there? Um, yeah, way too early predictions. Yeah, well, I've gone, I've gone with Daniel Saifedi as well. I think just looking at, I thought he did get a little bit of an upper hand over Christian Wells, so so that spot was probably up against those two players. But yeah, I thought he got the upper hand in Origin, um, especially this, those opening twenty minutes of games. He was really awesome for for the Blues. Um, so yeah, if we're picking a team tomorrow, he'd be ahead of Welsh for me. And the other one I went with was Payne Haas. Um, obviously, a massive year, a little bit the same. With with Origin, he was pretty dominant. Um, yeah, and Junior Paulo not too far behind. So yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a changing of the guard with the Kangaroos um, in several areas, but definitely the prop forwards. Um, there'll be a few debutants, no doubt, next World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I'm, I've got the exact same as you, Alicia. I've got Payne Haas and Daniel Sofidi. I think. You know, what's impressed me most about those two players is the fact that they didn't drop their form when they went back to Clubland. And they absolutely had every reason to because there's a fair bit of distance between them and their next player, I, I guess, at that club land. You know, Daniel Safidi is miles ahead in terms of him as a forward uh, player there at the Newcastle Knights and Payne Haas. I mean, it's him and Daylight up there in Brisbane, but yet they still went back and they still perform really well. So I hope that they get rewarded for that. In terms of looking over their shoulder, who's a player who could have an absolute, you know, phenomenal you know, 2022 campaign and could sneak in there. You know, if, if I had to pick a player to keep an eye on, it would be uh, Tino Fasul Malawi. I just think we all can see his physical gifts. But, you know, that, that Melbourne approach to the way in which that he sort of prepares as a professional, he has taken that to the Gold Coast. And some of the things that we're hearing from Justin Holbrook and that, that area around Tino, it's, you know, that's a bit of a scary combination. If you've got the work ethic and if you've got the natural ability. Um, so, yeah, Tino, you know, I, I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm predicting you'll get a bench spot, but uh, Daniel and Payne certainly don't take the foot off the gas next season because uh, because Tino's coming. All right, guys, well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel uh, for jumping on and talking all things rugby league. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. Uh, if you did, please download the podcast and find us on social media. We're available on all platforms. And until next week, we'll see you then.